Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. We're in a series called The Kingdom of Heaven right now. And what we're looking at is Jesus's teaching on the kingdom, which I've said this throughout the series, that if you look at the, the whole arc of the Bible from creation to revelation, the whole story is about the kingdom of God, okay? It's, it's what the story's about, and at the end of the story, hello, the kingdom comes fully, right? A new heavens and a new earth, and the king will reign over all. I mean, it's the kingdom of God is coming, but Jesus also said it's at hand, like right now, it's here. Jesus brought the kingdom to us, and so we are beginning right now, we're in the midst of the kingdom of God, that we get to experience kingdom things, even in a world that's still a mess. And so the kingdom's here, and the whole thrust of Jesus' teaching was the kingdom of God. And then you trace it after Jesus, the apostles, Philip, and Samaria. It's like they're preaching about the kingdom. At the end of Acts, Paul is stuck in a house. He's under house arrest, and it says that he's preaching about the kingdom of God. It's like the, the whole line of the church has been about God's kingdom. And, and, and I thought it was important for us as a church, as we read that, Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, what does that mean? You know, we, we have vague ideas about it, and so I thought it'd be good for us just to look at the teachings of Jesus about the kingdom of heaven. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, if you want to go there with me. We're going to be looking at two short parables in the midst of a whole string of parables that are all about the kingdom, and we've touched on some of them. We're going to go back and and talk about others in the future uh, in this series, but there's two small ones in verses 44 through 46. And um, I'm calling today's message the priceless kingdom. The priceless kingdom. Because Jesus is going to, he's going to teach about value. Now I've noticed that I tend to overvalue things that are not valuable or not really valuable. And I tend to undervalue things that are truly valuable. And, and I've seen this pattern in my life over and over. And I was thinking um, as I was preparing for this about uh, growing up, my, my, um, my, my grandparents lived near the school that I went to. And, and every day after school, my mom would take us over to my grandparents' house and they would cook a dinner. And we would sit around the table and eat dinner together. And then on Sunday nights, my, uh, my dad's uh, mom and dad, those grandparents would have us over for a Sunday night meal. And I know that I did what my kids probably have done and probably what your kids have done, which is this. I don't like this. I want McDonald's, right? I, I, I don't like this food. I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want that. You know, like we, I know I did that because I remember some really awkwardly long drives home where my mom would just be like, you should never, you know, right? Like I, I remember those drives. So I know I did it. And I, I undervalued sitting at a table 
with my parents and my grandparents. And, and now, as I've gotten older, my values have shifted. And I look back on that and I'm like, that was so cool. Like, I'll never forget just sitting around a table with them. Like, I, I learned so much in that, that small thing, right? And, and there's this pattern in our lives where we tend to undervalue the things that are truly valuable. And we overvalue things that are just not valuable at all. And Jesus is going to talk about that in the parable. In verse 44 of Matthew chapter 13, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells everything he has and he buys that field. This is one of my favorite parables. 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. So Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. There's a whole string of parables about the kingdom of heaven, but he, he gets to these and it's all about value. He's talking about a value system. And um, as we think about the kingdom, I just want to kind of remind us of what we've learned so far about the kingdom of heaven, because it's important if you're like, well, I, I, we should value it, right? Well, what is it? The kingdom of heaven is the rule and reign of God. I was um, talking with some uh, people who are, um, they're, they're, they're growing in their faith as Christians, but are coming out of a Muslim background. And he was asking about kingdom. And I said, well, the kingdom, the capital K kingdom is, is the, the rule and reign of God. It's, it's where God's intention and his will and his desire gets done in, in a person's life or in, in a people's experience. And he's given us responsibility for a lowercase k kingdom, and it's our lives. And you are responsible for your kingdom. God's given it to you. And you're making choices about that kingdom, right? You're, you're deciding things. What, what do you do with your life, with yourself, with your body, with your mind, with your free time, with, with all those things? And, and to live in the kingdom of God is to bring my lowercase kingdom underneath the, the will, the intention, the desire of the capital K kingdom of God. It's, it's the rule and reign of King Jesus. I, I found this definition. I thought it was really helpful. A kingdom is a governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his will, his purpose, and his intention. Get this, producing a citizenry of people who reflect his culture. I love that a citizenry of people who reflect his culture and express his nature. See, the kingdom is the rule and reign of God where you bring your lowercase kingdom underneath his rule and reign, but it's, it's also the church of Jesus where us together are bringing ourselves under the rule and reign of God. 
But it's not just about this one church. The kingdom, to think kingdom, is to think bigger than just this one expression, is to know that the kingdom of God is all the different flavors of church that are meeting all over our city, in our state, in our nation. That's kingdom. But it's bigger than that. There are missionaries, parachurch groups that are doing amazing work as an extension of the kingdom. And all of that fits under this beautiful umbrella of kingdom. We reflect the culture of the king. We express his nature. It's coming and it's here right now. And Jesus says that this is the most valuable thing ever. So both parables reveal, and this is the first thing that I want us to understand, the kingdom of God is what you've been looking for. Let me say that again. Both parables reveal that the kingdom of God is what you've been looking for. And you're thinking, how do you know what I'm looking for? Right? Because I, I, I don't know every one of you. I don't know your story. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know your background. I don't know your perspective. Right? And I don't know exactly what all of you are looking for. But uh, Jesus is saying in the parable that this is what we've all been looking for. We've got the first guy who stumbles upon some treasure that was buried in a field. And then we have a second person who, who, who's a merchant, who's, he's searching for something very specific. He, he's, he knows what he's looking for. And both people discover the treasure, right? It's the greatest value. Um, at that time, it was very common for a person to bury treasure in a field because they didn't have a bank like we have a bank today. And so it was actually not uncommon for people to just dig a hole and like, let's put our savings in there, right? And so this person finds this treasure. This merchant is probably sourcing all the the locals in the oyster business. He's, he's hitting up all the markets and he's just trying to find that one thing. And you're probably not going out digging up fields on the weekend. Some of you might have a little metal detector you take on the beach. I don't know. Um, maybe you do that for fun. You're probably not scouring eBay for pearls. But you might be digging for someone to validate you. To give you a true sense of worth. You might be looking for love. That is true and not contingent on your appearance or perfect performance. You might be longing for community and relationships that are sincere and kind and not self-serving. You might be searching for a transcendent sense of the presence of God. You might be seeking peace or comfort that is lasting and resilient, that's a true anchor in the crazy of life. You might be desperate for direction from someone who's truly wise and full of knowledge. You might be starving for purpose or, for, or for fulfillment to just do something good with your life. You might be desiring to be at ease with yourself in God in others or to simply enjoy something again. 
You're looking for something. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom is all of that and more. It's a treasure. It's priceless. The second thing is that both parables reveal that to find the kingdom is the greatest joy. I mean, the greatest joy. That's what the text said in the first story, that in his joy, in both parables, use the word that they, they found it. They, they found it. Um, and this, um, this treasure that's hidden in a field in the fine priceless pearl amongst all the jewels both indicate that, that there's something about the kingdom that we have to discover, that we have to find it. Um, it it's not... It's not obvious at first. We talked about this last week, how um, Jesus compared the kingdom to a mustard seed, like a small thing that would seem so insignificant at first. And, and he keeps kind of getting back to this, like, look, this is, this is all that you've been looking for, but it, it takes some discovering. You're going to have to find it. The, um, the phrase find, or the word find, indicates that it's, it's going to take some seeking. Or, or, and the other part is that to find something is like it's kind of unexpected. You're kind of like, oh, I just found that. Right? Seeking. And yet the unexpected. And I, I remember um, years ago, Casey and I had had some friends over to my family's house in Round Rock. And we had a, a big sort of house church gathering and we, you know, we all had young kids running around everywhere. And Casey had taken off her wedding ring and put it down somewhere during the, uh, during the meeting. And at the end, we're cleaning up all the stuff, right? And she's like, where's my ring? And you know how that goes, right? It's like, oh my gosh, where's the ring? And it's like, you know, we're, we're you know, dumping out trash bags, which is, if you've ever done this, no fun, right? Dumping, you're like, no, wait, how many trash bags in this trash can like came from this party? Like, like we need to like figure out how many of those are, right? We're gonna go and we're literally going to scour, like lay them all out and make sure there's nothing in there. We're gonna make sure that, you know, we go from room to room everywhere that we've been and we're gonna get on hands and knees and we're gonna make sure that we can comb through this house to, to see where is the wedding ring that I spent like $4,000 on like all those years ago, right? And she's crushed because it's like, that's the ring. Like, that's the one that you gave me. And I'm crushed because I'm like, that was $4,000. <laughs> right? And it was paid for. <laughs> and, and I mean, she was just in tears, like just totally distraught. And we didn't find it for like three days until a friend calls. And they had a daughter who was like girly to the core. And she would come with all the plastic rings on, right? She was just like that girl. And sure enough, she saw the ring and she like put it on or put it in her pocket. And she's like, and so the mom was doing the laundry like three days later and un, you know, emptying out all the pockets. And she's like, <gasps> she calls us. And let me tell you, it was great joy. Okay, great joy. Casey was just relieved. She still has the ring. 
I didn't have to pay another $4,000. Like, it was just great joy all the way around. And Jesus is saying the kingdom is like that. It's like you've spent your whole life looking for something. You want it so bad. You don't even know what it is, but you're just searching, right? You, you, will, you will pull out the trash bags. You will comb the carpet, and you're looking for something. And Jesus says, look, it's like that. It's treasure. And when you find it, it is the greatest joy of your life. I've been a follower of Jesus for almost 27 years now. 27, some of you aren't even 27 years old yet. 27 years. And God's kingdom has become my greatest joy. I mean, the, the, the presence of God. Like when you're, a, when you're a believer in Jesus and, and you come together with people like this and, and you worship God and you feel the very presence, it's like, I don't know how to describe it. I wish I could just bottle that up and give it to someone. Like I, this is, this is a great joy. The, the power of God. Just this week, we were huddled with friends praying over something together and we're just praying for God's power. And we've seen it over and over again, like God moving and doing something that's insane and mind-blowing. And that's a great treasure to me. I think about the people that I've been able to run with, to do life with, and we're like, we're going after Jesus together. And it's like, I don't, I, I wish I, I could take that community and like, and just bottle it up and give it to other people. It's like, this, this is the most amazing community you could ever be a part of. I think about the friendships that I formed, the, the love for one another, the adventures that we've been on, living on mission together. I have a wife that loves Jesus. We have kids that that want to be baptized and that talk about Jesus. And I, I don't know, like, I don't, I, I don't know how to explain how good that is. The kingdom of God. It's the greatest joy. It's the greatest joy. The third thing. These parables both reveal that the kingdom of God is priceless. It's priceless. And in both parables, the person who finds, they find it, right? It says they, they sell all they had. They sell everything to obtain it because it's priceless. And Jesus is telling us, look, you need to understand the value. Um, I've heard it said that value is determined by what amount of money a person is willing to pay for it. So if you're like me, um, and you get your, your uh, property tax bills, if you're a homeowner, and you're like, oh, why? Because people in our area are willing to pay more money than they were about five or six years ago, right? And so all the 
values of the properties are raising because people are willing because of the pandemic and work from home and the, you know, all the things that have happened over the last few years. It's like, it's just created this insane housing market. And so you and I, we, our values go up because people are willing to pay more for it. And Jesus is illustrating the, this very principle. The person goes and sells all they have, not as a loss, as a gain, because they value something more. They're willing to pay a high price. Um, most of you probably know Jordan and Lauren uh, Zapita, and they are, um, Lauren's pregnant, and uh, their baby, baby Grace, has had some complications, and she's been, uh, in fact, they're in the hospital right now, so if you pray for them this week, uh, for baby Grace and for her, um, and I was talking to Jordan uh, last week, and they are a part of, a, a, it's kind of like a non-traditional uh, insurance, like a Christian co-op. You've probably heard of these types of things before, right? And so when you go into a doctor, you're a cash um, patient, right? You have to treat it like a cash patient, and then you're reimbursed by the Christian co-op. So Jordan's on the phone with the guy, uh, or the person from the hospital, and they're giving him the like, here's what we think it's gonna cost talk. And the person says, um, our conservative, conservative number is that it'll be about $745,000. And when he told me, I was like, now are they naming a wing of the hospital after you at that price? Does the doctor come and live in your house for a year? Like what is, 700? And you could buy a suite I mean, a sweet house in Richmond, Texas for $745,000, okay? So it's just like an insane number and God's providing and he's working and, and they're gonna be fine. Like it, the Lord's providing, it's been miraculous. Um, but Lauren said this, and this kind of grabbed me. She said, when it's your child, you'll do anything for them. And I was like, this is, this is what Jesus is talking about. $745,000 is nothing compared to the life of my child. And this kingdom, the kingdom of God that he's saying is priceless, it's worth, it's, it's worth so much, like you can't even fathom what it's worth. He's like, look, it's worth more than whatever you think would be a, an amazing number. Like it's, it's more priceless than that. There's um, a, a famous speech by David Livingston, and I, I have a, a slide of this. He was a Scottish explorer in Africa, and he went like in the kind of the 1830s maybe to go into Africa as an explorer, and his desire was to open up Africa so that they could get missionaries in there. That's what he was going to do. And so he was going and exploring Africa so that he could get the, 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 the missionaries there. And he was the first European to go across the whole width of the country. He, he was a legend in his time because this guy is, you know, he was the first person to see Victoria Falls. In fact, he named it Victoria Falls after the queen. Like this, this guy was legendary. And he's teaching a class at Cambridge University, and he has these young students, and he's talking about leaving the, the comforts of England to go to Africa. And here's what he said. 
For my own part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward in healthful activity? The consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and of a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then with a foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink But let this be only for a moment. All these are nothing compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice. Wow. It's powerful. I've never made a sacrifice. Because what I value is the kingdom. Everything else pales in comparison to the kingdom of God. It's powerful. It's a powerful perspective. So these parables reveal the kingdom of God is what we've been looking for. To find the kingdom is the greatest joy, and the kingdom of God is priceless. But what exactly does that mean for you and for me? What what does that look like? I mean, is every Christian supposed to liquidate all their possessions and buy the kingdom? (laughs) You can't buy salvation. I don't know if you know that. If if you've been told otherwise, it's wrong. You cannot buy salvation, right? It, It is free. The gospel is free. It's the free gift of God by by faith through grace. And we cannot buy the kingdom. So that can't be what he's saying here in, in the story. So what is he saying? And here's where I think this is what Jesus is getting after. So he's calling us to shift our value systems and to trade up. To shift our value systems and to trade up. To not overvalue what isn't really valuable. And to not undervalue what really is priceless. And it's really easy to do that. Um, there's a lot of ways this could look in our lives. Um, one way, and, and one of my favorite phrases in, the, in this part of the 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 story is that the man bought the whole field. And I've always puzzled over that, that the man, he doesn't just extract the treasure, he buys the whole field. And I think in our day and age, we could know about Jesus, we could know Jesus, we, we, could, we could go online and find incredible resources and great worship music and great sermons and great thoughts and great Bible studies. And we could take all that just into, into our own lives by ourselves at home. 
And we could try to extract the treasure out and take it with us. But the gospel comes with a community. Jesus has a people. The, the kingdom has a church. And I believe that, that Jesus is saying, look, there's this, this valuable thing. Like, it, it's something that you can't just extract out. Like, we have to buy the field that comes with it. Does that make sense? And here's what I know. I've been in ministry for 21 years, and I've seen a lot of stuff go down in ministry. I've seen a lot of hurt. I've been a part of hurt. Because we're all imperfect people. Welcome to the club. <laughs> and I know that there's, for many people, there's a lot of wounding when it comes to church, but here's what I want to say to you. If that's you, if that's been your story, if you've been wounded in church, by the grace of God, right, would you just value the kingdom more than that? Right? Whatever that is, and maybe there's a process to, to, get, to get past or over, but I would just say, in Jesus' name, get over it because the kingdom is of highest value and it comes with a field and there's some rocks in that field and there's some thorns in that field and there's some other things right there's some stuff in the field but we can handle it when the kingdom is number one does that make sense I'll get even more specific um Living in sin is sub-kingdom. And we need to trade up. There's a, a, a passage in 1 Corinthians 6, and, and Paul uses a phrase, and I think it's an important phrase, and he gives a list, and you know Paul's list, and it's like, oh yeah, we're all guilty on this list. So here's what he says. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit Here's what he says, God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you used to be like this. Hello? But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And, and what Paul is dealing with is a church in, where, in which Christians were continuing to live sub-kingdom lives. Right? They're, they're, Corinthians is a, is a crazy book because there was crazy stuff going on inside the church. And Paul's having to go back and just correct all this. And he's like, look, all this stuff that, that people are flaunting, guess what? That is sub-kingdom. You cannot live in sin and be prizing the kingdom above all things. It just doesn't work. And they stayed in their sins, not because, like, you know, they were, you know, incapable. They stayed in their sins because they didn't value Jesus or the kingdom more. Obedience was a price they weren't willing to pay because the kingdom wasn't priceless to them. Does that make sense? 
And I know that sounds harsh, and I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just saying that sin is death, and it only brings death, and it only brings destruction, and it only brings pain, and it only brings heartache, and it only brings a, a, a generational destruction upon your life. And Jesus came to give you something so much better, and it's the kingdom of heaven. And so I think we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to pay the price of whatever that obedience needs to be for us? Because the kingdom is priceless to us. And sin is sub-kingdom. And if that's you today, and the Spirit of God is working on you like this, let's deal with that today. We can do that. You can tell somebody, you can tell a, a friend, you can tell me, you can tell one of our house church leaders, you can confess, like, I'm struggling with this. And we're gonna say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Let's pray. Let's confess that to God. Let's, let's repent. Let's, let's put a marker in the ground because it's sub-kingdom and Jesus does not want you to go one more day in that lifestyle. There's freedom for you and the king is worthy. The second thing is that living for earthly stuff is sub-kingdom and we need to trade up. In both parables, they sold all they had. In Paul's list, he includes greed, greedy people. It's a selfish and excessive desire for more of something, especially money, than is needed, okay? And I think we can hear this call and we're like, I wish Elon Musk was here to hear that, you know? Bill Gates, where you at? But here's the thing. There are lots of poor people whose hearts are set on earthly things right now. And all they want is more earthly stuff. And there are lots of rich people who couldn't care less. So it's not about what you have or don't have. It's about your heart. And it's a message for every one of us. In Mark 10, there's incredible promise. And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, there's no one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more. Now at this time, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children in fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. And Jesus is saying, look, I got you. I know it's so easy. It's so easy for us to get attached to the earthly stuff and we will go into debt and we will buy things we don't need and we will stress ourselves out because it's just what people do and we're just kind of in the stream with everyone else. But Jesus says, look, look, I've got you. And whatever you lay down for me, I've got you. I'm going to take care of you. You will receive a hundred times more than anything you could ever lay down for me. Like David Livingston, who says, I never made a sacrifice. And so I think it's important for us as people who have stuff and have access to stuff that we know that we're not to cling to it. And that everything we lay down is a trade-up. 
And when the kingdom is priceless to us, we're free to give. We're free to release our earthly things. We're free to, to, to not go into debt for stuff that we don't need because we just have a different value system. So today, I want to encourage you to assess your value systems. And maybe it's time for us to get the lowercase k kingdom back underneath the capital K kingdom, desire, will, intention, culture of the king to trade up and to shift our values. I want to close with this. There are a couple of other parables Jesus uses to talk about value. And they're interesting. He, he uses a, a parable of a shepherd that leaves 99 sheep to go after one. He follows it with the parable of a, of a woman who loses a coin and it's like us with a diamond ring. Like she's combing the house to find it. And when she finds it, she's filled with joy. And he follows it with another one of, of a a father who has two sons and the younger son demands the inheritance and he goes and he squanders it on wild living and prostitutes and all this crazy party lifestyle. And he finally comes to his senses and he begins to go back to the father and he's worked up a speech about, oh, you know, just let me be a hired servant in your house. And it says the father runs to him. And he embraces him and he kisses him and he puts a ring on his finger and a, and a robe on him and he calls the servants and they throw a party. And the point was this. The father values you. That's what he's saying. The father values you. The king of this priceless kingdom paid a really great price for you. If value is determined by the amount that someone is willing to pay for it, then what greater price could ever be paid than the death of the Messiah, the Son of God, for my sin and your sin? And so this kingdom value system is where you begin to see that, oh, I value, I'm valued by the Father, and so therefore, Father, I value you above all things. It's to be brought into the kingdom, the priceless kingdom, by faith through grace in Jesus so that we could discover the kingdom of God is what we've been looking for. It's the greatest joy and it's priceless. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.